Baskin's emerging tech and venture capital practice is comprised of 80-plus dedicated legal professionals across the Canadian market. We're deeply involved in the startup ecosystem and have worked closely with founders from startup to scale to exit. Our team is a leading Canadian law firm for VC financings and tech M&A and act for many of the best-in-class startup and scale-up innovation-based companies and entrepreneurs in Canada. Given this experience, we understand market trends and can assist in guiding your company forward as you scale. We take a holistic and strategic approach to helping our clients achieve their goals and provide the full suite of services including corporate, corporate finance, M&A, commercial, IP, data and compliance, employment, tax and beyond. We are excited to help the next generation of unicorns. Hello and welcome everyone. I am Evan McCann and this is The Hard Part. This show is a deep dive into the strategies, founding stories, and behind-the-scenes insights from Canada's top founders, investors, and leaders. My guest today is Maxime Corchamp. Maxime is a VC investment manager at Investissement Quebec, or IQ, for short. IQ is the go-to partner for foreign and Quebec-based businesses seeking to make a go of it in the province. In this episode, we discuss Max's background as an investor, what makes IQ unique, the Montreal and Quebec tech ecosystem, the diverse and dense VC ecosystem in Quebec, and what makes it unique in the Canadian tech scene, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Maxime Corchamp. Max, you did an MSI in finance. And then you really jumped into like a really interesting career where you're at Terralis, which is a fund manager, Oterra, real estate, Loon Rouge, family office, Hydro Quebec. Um, I know that's a lot of things to cover, but I just found it really interesting. Like you kind of went that kind of, I wouldn't call it traditional, but you, you took that finance route and you worked at a lot of interesting spots, all various different industries. When I started my career, I was just coming back from, uh, uh, let's say it's about a gold year. I came back to Montreal at long hair, men bun. Uh, so it was more, much more traditional back in the days. So I had a couple of interviews. I uh, didn't got it uh, because uh, of my long hair and, you know, I'd be, be uh, a bit nervous when I started. Uh, so, you know, I was really much more uh, interesting in getting into finance uh, in some sort of way. So any sectors, I was uh, much more attracted to the VC world, given that my exposure uh, through Terralis uh, when I was uh, at university. Um, so, you know, I started at Ottawa, uh, thanks to a friend. And as soon as I had the opportunity to join a family office, you know, Learn Rouge was much more uh, in line with what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, Learn Rouge, as you maybe know, it's the uh, family office of Cirque uh, Soleil founder, so Pilar Liberté. Um, oriented much on tech, entertainment, but as a family office, a diversified through a lot of things. So real estate, funds, and also, uh, let's say, a venture studio. So building uh, internal startups. So that really you know, uh, attracted me as a, uh, as a young uh, you know, finance um, professional. So I, I joined Nune Rouge, a uh, great, uh, great time there. I worked on a lot of things, so much more involved in the, in the VC world. Um, at a certain point, you know, at Nune Rouge, uh, we're slowing down the investment pace. Uh, so I, I just you know, wa- was looking to uh, you know, reactive, uh, reactivate a little bit that, uh, that focus. And at that time, you know, the VC ecosystem was a little bit uh, smaller and not as thriving as today. So the level of opportunities was uh, not as much as today. So I, I did a, a move to uh, Hydro Quebec uh, with them, you know, uh, it's a clean tech angle. Uh, the, the focus of Hydro Quebec at that time was to expand a lot of their activities uh, on the uh, international market. So Latin America, US, Europe. So worked there for two years and a half, uh, focusing on uh, many opportunities, but always uh, with, you know, an eye uh, to going back to VC in some sort of way. And uh, as soon as there was an opportunity at IQ that I've collaborated with before, I uh, you know, 
talk with people there, see how they were uh, seeking to you know, deploy the capital and you know build something interesting and you know just join the ship and so far it's a great ride before we jump more into iq you know i i think some other folks i've had on the podcast or you know the more traditional path to vc is kind of jump into vc stay in vc forever but you worked on the fund manager side real estate family office clean tech i'm just really curious of like how that's maybe shaped you as an investor. I feel like a lot of diverse experiences, different stages, different seats at the table, so to speak. What did kind of that unlock for you as an investor? I like people that have different backgrounds uh, in terms of exposure, because you know that opens your eyes on, on general knowledge. Uh, so of course, when someone talks to me in, uh, you know, in sectors such as energy infrastructure, I can relate to what I've seen at Hydro Quebec. And same thing in, in real estate, things like that. So as soon as you put your uh, VC tech glasses, you can you know relate, connect the dots. So I think it's really interesting to have that kind of exposure. And I, I would suggest you know to young professional to seek that kind of uh, different uh, angles or market industries uh, to just diversify the approach when you have only you know a bunch of folks that all always have the same accounting. Uh, background. And I have nothing against CPA. My, my father is, is one I was looking at CPA when I was younger. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, I've seen a, a lot of it, um, interesting value in people with, you know, engineering degree, operational experience, uh, especially, you know, uh, previous founders that tried, maybe failed, maybe succeeded, uh, to after that be able to, you know, transfer that knowledge into, into practice of VCs. So for me to, you know, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to uh, fall into VC as early as possible, but to not close opportunities that are in the other markets or industry, just to have a better perspective on the overall, uh, you know, tech space or just the way that business work, market works. So I think that, you know, for my perspective, it still, you know, uh, helps me in, in different ways because I have a larger network in different spaces. I'm able to sometimes do intro that I wouldn't be able to do before. So I think that, uh, you know, just open your eyes and your opportunity is always something interesting and diversify a team within a VC fund or a VC firm, uh, that, you know, uh, have someone with more financial background, someone more operational. So after that, you, you can create synergies between knowledge of folks around the table. You mentioned joining Investissement Quebec IQ. What is IQ? What are you focused on? What makes it unique compared to a traditional VC or maybe like a fund manager, like a terrorist or something like that? What makes IQ unique specifically in the Quebec tech ecosystem? IQ is not only a VC firm, it's you know quite a, a large operation. So, you know, IQ is uh, a financial institution that has a as main mission to uh, provide and support uh, businesses in, within Quebec to, uh, you know, make Quebec thrive from an eco economical perspective and, you know, uh, increase overall wealth for, for the province. So IQ does that through different means. Um, so there's, uh, IQ has a, pro uh, presence, a coverage across the province. So we have offices all, all over the province. Uh, we do support, uh, from SMEs, small, medium enterprise up to large enterprise. And that support can come from different uh, ways. So either through financing uh, in form of debt or equity, uh, but also in terms of support, in, uh, we have, uh, have colleagues that works for uh, our division, let's say IQ International. So that helps company to expand uh, beyond back or in, in other ways to attract talent or uh, partners in, in the province. Uh, so we, we have that, we have a research center as well, and we have a group that helps uh, uh, companies to connect with uh, suppliers, local suppliers, to strengthen their uh, supply chain. Uh, as we, we've seen in the past years, uh, you know, there was destruction in the, the value chain. So, you know, from a general perspective, IQ does a lot for the, uh, the ecosystem. Uh, but more, you know, uh, in the VC space, uh, we work on two, two sides. We, are, uh, as we have both um, the, the role of LP in some, in some funds and direct investment. I focus myself on everything related to the direct investment. So really co-investing with other firms, other VC funds. Um, I think the main differentiation uh, or IQ compared to other funds is that um, given our structure uh, as more an evergreen uh, institution, 
uh, we provide companies with more uh, patient capital. We're not uh, you know, stuck with uh, a 10 years life uh, of a typical VC firm. So if uh, we uh, invest in a Series A company and it takes 10 years or more to get to IPO and there's still you know, potential to generate, to invest and to grow, uh, we can support that, uh, that growth. Um, and given that we have, you know, uh, large capacity to invest, uh, we're able to take more risk in some sort of way in, you know, non-traditional sectors and things like that. Um, and another, I think, differentiation from funds is that, uh, given our role in the ecosystem to supply and co-invest with, uh, with VC firm to address some, uh, lack of financing in the, the value chain. We do uh, are uh, we are an agnostic investor in the market, so we do cover practically all verticals or sectors, uh, from IT, AI to life sciences, industrial innovation, uh, clean tech. Uh, you know, there's it's rare that we don't do something in terms of uh, coverage, uh, so that helps us to really have a good presence in the market and to invest with uh, with other folks. So it's. Uh, it's a broad answer to a, a loaded question, but I think, uh, you know, it's uh, quite interesting for, for IQ to have that kind of perspective. And I think that brings a lot of value for those companies. You mentioned in our pre-chat and you touched on it here of really like focusing on Quebec ventures that can scale beyond Quebec, like have that international or maybe even North American kind of uh, growth potential. Like, like how many, like, I guess just like how many companies do you find are kind of in that kind of bucket? Like what's, what's that kind of stage that you're investing at? Are you looking at a pre-seed, seed, series A? Is there kind of like a typical area that you're focusing on where you can really see that potential from, hey, this is a Quebec-based venture and they have that ability to actually scale beyond? I think first and foremost, to be able to invest in a VC-backable business, uh, I think we cannot see a business that's, only focus on local markets to thrive as a VC company. So of course, we'll always look for a company that can uh, thrive beyond Quebec and even North America, uh, depending on you know, the market size. So we uh, always going to look for companies that can uh, sustain the, that kind of investment structure. Uh, otherwise, we'll you know, uh, have chats with the companies to say, you, maybe you're, you're, you have a good product, but uh, your market is limited and VC route is not the, the good one. You know, uh, that depends on, on different, uh, a lot of factors. Um, given our, our way that we uh, invest in the market, we invest across the value chain. The earliest investment that we do is uh, the seed stage through a matching program that we uh, put in place two years and a half or three years ago. Um, so it's a matching program that provides capital alongside uh, either uh, angels, uh, angels investment or uh, seed funds. Um, on my hand, um, I provide, I do, I write my first checks uh, from Series A up to Series C, let's say, and after that, I'm able to support and reinvest uh, along the value chain. Um, you know, it's tough to say. Uh, so sometimes companies have a great idea, seems to have a great market early on. Um, and they reach a ceiling at a certain level at Series A, Series B. But, uh, you know, that's why due diligence are there because uh, we do, uh, you know, uh, interviewed uh, either clients, potential clients, uh, use surveys to, to see if there's a need for that. Is there and anything that, you know, works for a local market and that it's different in terms of how do you market your product, your services in another market? Is there some limitation from a regulation perspective and things like that. So that's, you know, our job to look and work with the business and other investors to see if there's a risk at that level, how can we address it? How can we either adjust the product or the, the strategy of uh, go to market or even maybe pivot the company in some, some more of a way to make that happen. So, yeah, I couldn't say really there's a specific stage for that. I think it's, you have to uh, adjust your, your way to um, evaluate, uh, assess uh, at every stage just to see, okay, this still makes sense because we've seen with a lot of things just with the uh, everything related to GDPR, uh, data collection and, you know, ethical way. Uh, Europe was in advance, comes to North America. Uh, it's a, you have to adjust your product and your, the way that you do business. So sometimes you can be, uh, you know, have a, on limitless, uh, no limit, limitless potential, 
in a certain, certain market. And as soon as there's a news that comes, uh, our new regulation, while well, your uh, market size just shrink, well, you, you have to adjust yourselves. I'd love to dive a bit deeper into the ever, the nature of the evergreen fund. Um, just kind of curious on like what that changes from an investment thesis, investment profile. You mentioned kind of earlier, just, you know, maybe being able to take a bit more risk or again, like you're not on that kind of 10 year clock, like a, a traditional VC. I'm just kind of curious how that's kind of played out, how that kind of changes your thesis and maybe what it unlocks for you as an investor, because maybe that's limiting uh, when you're looking at maybe a more traditional VC with like LPs and they have to pay them back in a certain period. It's a, a, a case by case uh, evaluation. Of course, every time that we invest in a company, we have we have to align ourselves with what the founders want to do, what what's the the purpose of the investment, the investment phases of other investors. So, of course, if we to if we are to enter a new company, invest, and the the target or the goal of the the founder is to exit the company within a year or a year and a half, is really something that we want to do. Uh, we're not really in the business of quick flips. Because uh, we, you know, we want to generate as much value. And as for other, you know, Canadian businesses, uh, when we compare Canada to U.S., sometimes uh, the the lack of capital in the growth stage forces some companies to exit too early on in the in the in the process of the company, and there's still you know untapped potential. So for us, it's to you know address that that in some sort of way that is beneficial to everyone. Uh, of course, if there's you know challenges in terms of um, limited time window for some funds, we can always look with other partners such as you know growth equity fund things like that to um, you know provide secondary capital and things like that. But you know, always in, in a way to uh, support the company to uh, fulfill its full potential. Uh, so of course, it's different kind of analysis that we have to do to make sure that, you know, that makes sense uh, from an investment perspective with investors and founders. Uh, but, you know, if there's a great opportunity of exit that, uh, you know, show, shows up, uh, we're not against generating value. We're all for it. Uh, so we just try to be sure that we're aligning what we want to do with the company. Uh, is it a four-year exit, a 10 years IPO, things like that. I uh, just want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and that we, um, you know, use all the opportunities. Optionality is the key. So at the end of the day, uh, if you have the choice, uh, we will see what we can do uh, for the best for everyone around the table to generate value and, you know, uh, fulfill the, the flywheel of the uh, company in terms of uh, where the company wants to be. I saw you were an investor in Oxio and, and I had Marc-Andre on the podcast quite a while ago now and mm -hmm. Oxio does been acquired by Kojiko now, but just kind of curious of what interested you about Oxio, the business, maybe Marc-Andre, other the, some of the other founders, um, and, and why was that a good fit for IQ? Marc-Andre is uh, you know, a true entrepreneur, really uh, hustling, uh, passion, desire to build things. And uh, I, I don't recall uh, all the, de the details that he, he said on your podcast, but you know, when he started, Oxio was really, you know, uh, nitty gritty in terms of, you know, everything they put, it was really in the mud and dirt to build this company. So really appreciate that from a founder, you know, the hustling, uh, mentality and, you know, Macaulay has the potential, uh, as the, uh, the capacity to network easily with the market, with the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the ecosystem. So that's why he was able to attract, uh, Xavier Niel, uh, a legend in the telecom in the, uh, European market as an investor in this series A. So, you know, uh, you know, kudos to Marc-André to, to be able to achieve that. Uh, you know, Oxio, uh, Marc-André was able to show us, he was able to reinvest himself. Uh, Oxio at first uh, was, you know, named Exit Telecom, different business model. Uh, the tech uh, vision was not the same. Uh, he faced some challenges, pivoted the company, uh, addressed a need in the market in terms of, you know, uh, as probably every Canadian knows, uh, telecom is still expensive in the market of Canada. Uh, he, he had the desire to, to address that need. Uh, we felt that it was an interesting value prop for both uh, the market and investors. And we were able to you know, support him uh, early on. I think in the uh, first, first check was in 2019. And we were able to reinvest uh, before Series A, during Series A. And you know, really proud of what, uh, what uh, Mark Gandhi was able to succeed with Axio. I'm just curious with with your background and now with your work at IQ as a direct investor LP, 
Just your thoughts on the Quebec investment ecosystem. It's extremely dense when you're looking at it from like a direct investor like Ange Quebec, Amplitude, Brightspark, Luge, White Star, Lumera, Inovia, et cetera. On the LP side with with what you're doing at LQ, Terralis, Fondation, um, pseudo kind of family offices, whether like, you know, Diagram, Portage, Loon Rouge. Why do you think the ecosystem is so dense and like very tech forward, even going all the way up to CDBQ? Mm-hmm. Why is that like just such a strong focus? And you don't really see that in any other province. I think there's different factors for that. And I'm not sure I have an answer for all of them. Uh, of course, by just the level of uh, LP capital that is available in the market and a desire to build a strong tech ecosystem. You know, the, the VC ecosystem in Quebec is still quite new. Uh, the emerging funds were are dated from early 2000s. And before that, there were still some VCs uh, but, you know, it was more, I would say, growth or investment in established companies or bootstrap bootstrapping. So it's, um, but what's interesting with Montreal, of course, uh, and, you know, I think there's many folks uh, say, the, say the same thing on different media. Of course, of course the, <clears throat> the pool of talent is great, um, both, you know, in Montreal and Quebec City and Sherbrooke. Uh, access to a lot of different talents. Uh, AI at the, the spotlight for the, the past couple of years, but just on the engineering side, aerospace, uh, the pharma ecosystem is quite strong in Quebec as well. Um, the, 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 the province is located as well in, in, in its interesting area, you know, uh, next to Ontario, next to the US. Uh, 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 that's a, also a connection port to Europe. Um, the, the capacity of uh, no, the people in Quebec to speak uh, two languages or even more uh, that, you know, decrease the risk in, in some sort of way for some companies to be able to launch a product in two languages to, to be able to untap more market potential that, uh, you know, a pure uh, one language company. So I think that, you know, that's different factors that help uh, those that want to test and unleash uh, a product early on to uh, get a market insight quite quickly. Um, and after that, I think there's, uh, you know, the, um, the effort that different actors in the market have put towards, uh, building a, uh, an ecosystem, a tech oriented ecosystem has been tremendous over the years. So uh, that needs a lot of col- collaboration between those players. So, you know, IQ is one of them, uh, FSTQ, Fondaction, CDPQ, uh, Terralis that was, you know, founded and financed, uh, with the, the, the help of FSTQ, IQ and CDPQ really helped uh, emerging fund to be able to uh, leverage their help to build their first fund, building a track record. After that, it's a flywheel effect. And, you know, different initiatives have been put in place, um, such as Espa City PSU, which is a, a, an office uh, downtown Montreal, where most of all VC um, firm have their offices there. So it's easier to network, uh, to, uh, you know, exchange uh, pipeline deal flow, uh, or just for companies to come pitch, you just go to one place and pitch at four different funds at, at the same time. So, you know, there's different things that help just the ecosystem to thrive. Uh, it's, you know, it's a competition uh, kind of a, a, a dynamic. So, of course, everyone wants the, the same return, but as well, uh, work together, uh, create value uh, for both investors, but for the founders as well. So I think there's you know, many different things that help the, uh, the Quebec to thrive in that way. But, you know, the, the work is not done yet. There's a, still a lot of things to do. Uh, but I think so far, it's a, it's a great start. I'd like to chat more about IQ, the thesis, and maybe like the post-investment process and like the value add there and what you really kind of focus on from IQ's focus of value add. So you mentioned kind of certain stages that you'll invest at or you'll even do kind of like a co-investment thing if it's a, an earlier stage company. But just kind of curious on, where you see the the strong value add for IQ when you're investing in some of these Quebec and Montreal based companies? For different companies, uh, they want to keep uh, a Canadian based investor uh, basis to remain CCPC uh, uh, compliant in terms of uh, of shred or tax credit, uh, but. Having IQ as a backer helps them a lot, given that we're able to invest early on uh, in the in the company and be able to support them from a, both a financial standpoint, but uh, in other ways. Because when it comes, uh, you know, Series C, Series B, 
uh, the growth funds and there's some growth funds in Canada, but still, um, a lot of companies, uh, looks, uh, at the U S to, to get that capital. So IQ is able to, uh, uh, help them to either find those, those funds, uh, co-invest with them and still, uh, keep a good, strong Canadian uh, investor base with, uh, on their cap table. Um, but at different ways also, you know, IQ is, is well-known internationally. Uh, we do invest, you know, in, in strong ideas, we support and, uh, work with our companies to have as the best governance structure uh, possible. So of course, when company grows, the changes are more complex. Uh, we try to put as much value as we can to help them, uh, face those changes. So, you know, a way that we work with our companies is that when we have, let's say, uh, well, I'm always on the, on the board of, our, of my companies as an observer. And, but sometimes we have a uh, board seat. We try to uh, find people in the market, ex-entrepreneurs, ex-exec, uh, uh, that can help the company to tackle those, those changes or those opportunities. So we do uh, you know, uh, add on to those talents, uh, either uh, locally or uh, if there's some changes internationally, uh, and go seek those people uh, and put them on the board of our company in our uh, IQ seat. So one ex example, let's say uh, I have a, a portfolio company uh, called Poplock. Uh, so Poplock is has a strong presence internationally in Europe, a uh, uh, good presence in, in U.S., but looking to thrive even more in U.S. Uh, through partnerships and things like that. So, you know, the, the board member in the IQC that Poplock is uh, Marie-Michelle uh, Marie Caron. Uh, she's an ex-Cobio, uh, was 10 years there. Uh, she's now uh, president of the international market at uh, Thrive, a U.S. company. She's living in, in uh, San Francisco, uh, and she, you know, she helps the, the company a lot. Uh, she has, you know, at every two weeks to chat with the founders. Uh, so, you know, that's a way that we try to help as much as possible our companies. Uh, after that, that you know, it's state de dependent. Um, of course, when the, the companies are early on Series A, uh, we work on a lot of with them in terms of strategy, um, even marketing-wise. Uh, finding partners in the markets, so we unlock everything that we have in our network or in, in with our internal uh, toolbox to help them thrive. So, if they're looking to uh, you know have a good presence in the U.S. and attend to some events, uh, I'll, I'll tackle my my colleagues at IQ International to see what we can do with that. If there's an issue or something that they want to look at in, from the, the tech uh, angle, while well, we have a research center that will uh, seek to see, okay. Is there something we can do to either decrease the risk or increase the opportunity that we have with that, that kind of technology? Uh, and after that, you know, there's uh, the options are all limitless. So we'll invest personally, uh, you know, as much time as we can to help them uh, grow and, you know, do that in collaboration with our other investors or board members. So there's a lot of things that we can, we can do with them. Just kind of curious on your thoughts of like the Montreal and, you know, more broadly, Quebec tech scene as well. Like there's a lot of huge names in various industries, Essence, Lightspeed, Nuve, even on the AI side with Element AI. There's a lot of big tech companies that have, uh, whether they're American or Canadian, that have offices in Montreal, gaming industry, great universities in the city. Do you think just kind of all these combinations together, including that in really strong investment ecosystem, just really lead to this kind of hotbed, hotbed of tech? And also, you know, Montreal has a, a fairly big population, but I think also kind of punches above its weight as well. Some of the names that you mentioned, you know, as uh, I've been able to create the, let's say the Shopify effect. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they known uh, a great lot of success. Some of the employees were able to generate quite interesting value. And then we're able to, you know, uh, launch their own startups with much more Intel uh, and appreciation of, you know, what's the startup, uh, what it takes. And, uh, you know, start on a strong basis to, um, start the new wave of, of new startups. So I think it's, there's a lot of opportunity there's still to build, uh, but you know, we just start to bear fruits. So I think there's a lot of things to do here. Um, but, and also, you know, as you mentioned in terms of Quebec punching above itself, um, there's a strong support in the province of Quebec because of some of the players that are located in the province and are maybe unique to the uh, province of Quebec. And we've mentioned, you know, the, the traditional, the, the usual suspect, you know, FSTQ, 
own Axion, CDPQ, uh, Desjardins as well. It's uh, one of the largest financial cooperative in the world. And, you know, we have to go back to a historical background on that and to understand, you know, those, uh, those, uh, FSTQ, Fondation and, and Desjardins, uh, that as a fund, uh, those funds are, uh, in some part labor sponsored fund where their main mission is to support entrepreneurship within the province and to either maintain or create employment. So that. That creates a strong incentive uh, to, um, you know, fuel uh, the ecosystem with as much as possible uh, support, both on the financial side as from, uh, you know, a uh, toolbox of tools. And, and you know, that's a, 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 a flywheel effect. And it's, it's interesting because those labor-sponsored funds um, have their capital through contribution uh, of, you know, the population of Quebec if they want to. And when they contribute to those funds, there's tax in incentive for them. They have tax credit. So that creates a, a, an interesting flywheel effect in the sense that uh, people contribute in the fund, the funds reinvest in Quebec to create in, uh, or maintain employment and improve the quality of the companies. So that generate values that goes back in the, the pocket of the contributors that reinvest in the fund. So, you know, those kind of models uh, are quite interesting and I'm not sure, and I'm not a specialist, uh, there are as much presence in other ecosystem. And, you know, those, uh, those funds invest both uh, directly in the market, but as well as LP through funds. So that helps, you know, to build an interesting network of uh, funds. Uh, and the funds, you know, that are in Quebec, are, uh, there's different profiles. There are funds that are based in Quebec, but there's, there's also international funds that open offices in Quebec. So let's say there's two other risks uh, that is investing in, in uh, life sciences. It's a Belgium fund and that opened an office in Montreal. Uh, and there's many, uh, you know, uh, name like that, that creates a great opportunities for them to uh, or seek a new market and have the support of local investors. Uh, so, you know, it's a win-win situation for everyone. Curious if there's any kind of specific challenges for Montreal, Quebec-based founders and startups. You mentioned some really interesting advantages from the investment standpoint and also like being able to build in English and French so that it opens up more markets automatically, that kind of European connection through Quebec and Montreal as well. But are there specific challenges you find that are unique compared to maybe a founder that's only a few hours away in Toronto? Sometime, um... I see founders focusing too much on local markets. Uh, so, you know, uh, trying to sell as much as possible is, well, let's say in his neighborhood or in his own city, uh, before reaching out, uh, international players. And I think that sometimes is, uh, it's a, uh, a, a huge mistake to do, uh, cause of course, uh, you can always sell locally, but you don't get the, uh, the feedback from inter international players in terms of uh, validating that you have an interesting product, strategy, or set of features. So if, uh, you're, if you're limiting yourself early on in local markets, well, sometimes you're going to lose opportunity or at least uh, insight of what you could accomplish way more by looking internationally. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure it's, it's something that's specific to, to, to Quebec. I think that you know, a lot of Canadians have that, that kind of uh, narrow vision. And that's why, you know, all investors push as much as possible for, um, for companies to at least internationalize themselves early on, um, in different ways. Of course, you know, you have to make as much as possible with the, 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 the capital that you have. So of course you, you won't you know, hire a sales team in the U S uh, when you have only a couple of thousand in your bank account, but at least you have a strategy to tackle that as efficient as possible and seek beyond, uh, Quebec, beyond Canada. Um, looking at either at the U.S., at Europe, at Asia, depending on you know, what's your product, what's your, what's your value prop. Um, so I think that's one of the mistakes that people have to, to look on uh, and don't limit themselves. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I think that there's no, not a specific, uh, you know, there, you have to seek for as much as talent that you have. Uh, you have there's a lot of competition, as you mentioned, the, ecosystem is, is thriving. There's a lot of folks. So you have to differentiate yourself from other, other startups to attract talent, uh, both, you know, from other Quebec, uh, startups or, uh, cause now with remote work, 
uh, you can tackle talent everywhere in the world. So I think that just the quality of life in Montreal, uh, it's something that, you know, stands out from other, other places where you can say, uh, I can both attract remotely, but as, as well as locally. So I know a lot of companies that, Im let's say, imported their talents because people were really interested about quality of life, uh, cost of living is, is, uh, is really quite interesting and just the opportunity to, uh, you know, have be, um, near from different ecosystems. So, uh, you have Toronto that's not too far. U.S. as well, uh, Europe, but just within the province, there's a, a, a different load of ecosystem. Uh, you know, Quebec is uh, connected to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, you have up north uh, a lot of uh, different natural resources, so that uh, help diversify the ecosystem compared to other um, locations that have the same kind of uh, um, geography uh, across the province. Quebec has the as the opportunity to have access to a, a different kind of, uh, you know, unique characteristic in that way. I'm curious your thoughts on, on deal flow, just with being focused on such a specific region, whether, you know, Montreal, more broadly Quebec, again, it's, it's not small. There's millions mm -hmm. and millions of people. It's a big ecosystem, but you also just have that kind of just a little bit more of a narrow focus, maybe versus a traditional VC that maybe has to fly all over the U S all over Canada. How, what does that unlock for you with just like a really strong focus on the ecosystem? And I guess from a deal flow perspective, what are you looking for? Do you have a lot of like early stage VC relationships that are doing more of those kind of seed pre-seed that you're kind of chatting with? Um, or do you kind of have that advantage of that just IQ's connections, just that deep rooted Quebec connection, and also like just being really focused on a certain geography? We do operate uh, on a you know, similar model as, you know, BDC that cover, uh, kind of wide, uh, in terms of investment. Um, so of course that requires us to be, uh, even more selective in our investment, uh, in terms of what we can do and what we want to do. Uh, but that comes also with the, uh, the fact that we're an, an agnostic investor that unlocked a lot more, uh, you know, opportunities that, uh, of course. Uh, an IT specialized fund or a clean tech specialized fund. So, uh, we, our goal is not to, uh, you know, build a huge, uh, you know, index portfolio uh, of these companies in Quebec. Uh, we have to, you know, limit ourselves, uh, what, uh, with, with our strategy. Um, but given that still, uh, given that we invest across the value chain, uh, as I mentioned, the earliest investment that we do is through a matching program. Uh, so there's a kind of a funnel effect uh, that there's a much more company that will be financed at the seed stage and there's going to be, you know, uh, the funnel up to, to late stage companies. That doesn't mean that, you know, the, the companies or the, 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 the strategy product are, are not good. It's just that we need to, uh, you know, rationalize at some point because um, I just in terms of, you know, support of, the, of those companies, uh, I tried, we tried to limit ourselves to six to eight companies per investment uh, major so that we have time to work with them to uh, bring add on value. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, to have a large portfolio of companies where your founders try to reach, reach out and you're not able to answer the phone, uh, it's problematic. So we need to address that the best way we can to uh, make them success even more meaningful for them. Uh, by being, of course, LP in different VC and private equity fund, that brings a lot of value in terms of collaboration, uh, co-investment opportunities, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, sh sharing bill flow. So there's, uh, there's, you know, maybe, and that goes both ways. So sometimes IQ, are well, we going to, you know, look at one company, uh, we're looking for co-investors and we think that could be uh, an interesting you know, match with another fund. So we got, we can have the chat. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and it works both, way, both ways. So sometimes the funds will come to us, say, Hey Max, I'm an interesting play to do. I think IQ would be a great partner. Here's our vision. What's the, here's what the investment phase is. Sometimes that's going to be a great fit. Sometimes the timing is just not right. Uh, either we're, you know, uh, the deal flow is tacked or, you know, it's just not the right timing. Uh, but for, for us, we always stay connected with those opportunities. So if the timing is not right for Series A, let's stay in touch for Series B. Or if there's, uh, let's say, a bridge or an extension of uh, around. Uh, and for us, if we are not able to be an investor in one company, that doesn't mean that we, that we cannot help them. We'll always will seek to uh, bring them as much as IQ can bring. So either with our, our different teams internally 
or uh, putting them in touch with other partners, both locally, internationally. So if I have one uh, founder that comes to me and say, Max, uh, I know it was not a, a great timing for you, but uh, I was curious to see if you know some folks in the market, both from you know investment perspective or just you know I'm seeking to have uh, to talk to someone that specializes in that, that area. I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll look uh, what who I, I can find or who I know that could be interesting. So there's one company that you know I'm are on their newsletter. I'm not an investor, but I'm on their newsletter just current updates, and they were looking for. Some, someone with deep knowledge in the, the payment space. Uh, it appears that I, I knew someone that, you know, did that for 15, 20 years and uh, was, uh, is working as a advisor for startups. So I just put them in touch and, you know, uh, just trying to bring as much value as I can. And after that can, you know, create opportunities for uh, later on. So uh, maybe uh, given that we have connection, uh, we, we established a relationship before uh, the pe people know the folks at IQ say, okay, I know the guy, I know, I know the, the girl, uh, they're a great value. Uh, let's stay in touch to see maybe potential to partner later on. So yeah, it's, it's never a lost opportunities. What are some areas that you're really interested in right now in Montreal Tech? Like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, some of these larger kind of more well-known companies have had people kind of leave or have gained some of that paper wealth has become real wealth. Are you starting to see a lot more kind of second time founders or people spinning off of these kind of larger companies? I guess, what are some interesting things happening in the city right now? Or maybe just interested, like, are people really focused on AI or fintech or uh, what kind of trends are you seeing? Of course, AI is, I think, will still remain um, um, quite important in the ecosystem and at different levels, both at the pure, let's say, AI component model and things like that but also in terms of how do you implement AI in your product, your strategy. I think there's still things that are overlooked that are quick uh, implementation that can bring or remove a lot of, of friction in the process and, and brings more quality to uh, the client. So I think it still remains quite uh, important to have a chat with our companies and you know, uh, future portfolio companies in terms of how AI fits into your vision. Uh, there's still companies that, you know, AI at this point is doesn't bring any you know significant solution but it has to be on the roadmap to see okay uh what's the potential that we can create both from a uh, value perspective or cost perspective um as i mentioned uh we're agnostic in different sectors so uh, i'm not a specialized in every verticals uh daily but uh, for me you know the most interesting play that i look at or that i, I have a lot of chats with my founders is Everything related to uh, um, first-party data generation or primary data uh, that those that the company can uh, generate and use to either improve product, improve experience, or really create new opportunity to monetize something. Uh, I think there's still uh, untapped and unlocked potential that p that companies don't realize that in every some sort of way uh, they generate a lot of data, and it's still not. Uh, you know, treated in a way that makes sense. And I think there's still things to do there where um, people could create interesting product that could be valuable for the market. So I think that, you know, the, the, the play that, that I see in the market that are still early on, focus on that area and say, okay, here's a tool or something I could put in the end of clients uh, that we did bring value to them, but as, as well, uh, gather intelligence for me for the next wave of products. So I think it's an interesting uh, flywheel product development in some sort of way that always keeps you, uh, you know, updated and see how the markets evolve ahead of, you know, the clients uh, knowing them themselves. Uh, so I think that's quite interesting in terms of uh, forecast in terms of, you know, what could be interesting for, for the clients. How do you keep your edge as investor or just, you know, improve as an investor? Uh, do you have like a network of other investors and you just kind of regularly chat and share ideas? Do you have mentors? Um, what are some things that just really help you uh, keep that edge? Uh, I think that, you know, a networking, of course, with the ecosystem is uh, as valuable as it can be. Uh, so we do have, you know, regular uh, calls with uh, co-investors, uh, sharing what we want to do, investment thesis, things like that, how we position, what we are looking at in terms of both uh, startups and technologies. Um, and we try to attend as much, you know, uh, events 
so to to be able to network with you know uh, the network that we don't have currently, just to extend it. Um, I try to be as much open to new ideas or new knowledge. So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, not necessarily specific, specific to uh, VC or tech. Sometimes just you know uh, random podcasts, just on general knowledge. Uh, I'm a huge geek of on, on uh, information data. So um, something is related to life science. Sometimes just to on um, psychology and things like that. So um, I think it's people need to be not too no too narrow on what they look at just to because that just bring new ideas every time you know one example is uh it's totally not tech a tech play but one one founder that i know he has a, a factory of uh, uniforms for school uh and his target is to meet or visit a, a, a company that uh, operates in a different sector as him every month so he, he, one month he went to see uh, a door in a windmill factory, see how they, they operate, what the kind of machines they have. And interestingly, he saw a machine, he asked the, found, the other founder, you know, where did you buy that machine? It was, oh, it wasn't, nothing fitted up for us in the market. We built it internally. And so he found it really interesting. So that brought him ideas for his own operation. Uh, he went to visit another, I think, Tesla reparator uh, of doors, things like that. So, you know, I think that's something that all founders or investors should do in some sort of way to connect with people, both, you know, inside their, their, their sector, but also outside just to be, um, up to date and sometimes just, uh, tr translate some interesting ideas from one sector to another. So I think that's one key, uh, you know, um, advice I would give to anyone in the market, both founders, investors. Uh, students, uh, I think it's it's cheap. I'd love to jump in the quick fire round and want to know what your favorite book is. And sometimes it's hard to pick a favorite. So maybe something you read recently or currently reading. Yeah, I don't have a favorite book, uh, but you know the the recent books that I read, that I really liked. Uh, one is uh, called Invisible Woman. Uh, I think it, it's it's a must. Uh, it's the the way that the world that we live in has been a long time designed around men. And just, you know, any phases uh, of the, the life. So both from a farmer perspective, um, just a uh, belt seat in the car, things like that. Uh, so that, you know, that opens uh, the eyes of, of folks that, you know, uh, even as of today, I've read some articles that still some research group and I don't know, 90% men, 10% women. So you, you can relate uh, on those numbers to think that makes sense so i think it's really you know open-minded book that i think put in, in in the face uh that you know there's still work to be done on that way um and as of right now one book that i just started to read i'm not sure yet it's, it's a good book but it's uh it's called uh, automating inequality as it's related anything related to a uh, large model uh, artificial intelligence that either uh amplify biases or discrimination towards certain group and how you know we have to be cautious on how we deploy uh, those um, model AI in the market, always in a way that yes, bring value, but not to put you know some uh, portion of the uh, the population aside. So I think it's quite interesting, especially now uh, you know everything related to, to ESG and you know uh, being sure that even as for us as an investor, that when we invest in companies that we, we do that in, in a good way, both from a financial perspective, but also for the, the ecosystem and, and, you know, the general, um, the, the general community. So I think it's, you know, good readings to, to, to do. So my, I don't read novels or things like that as, as always, you know, uh, my, my, uh, my box of books is mostly, um, social economical reads, uh, or even, or either tech oriented. So yeah, and maybe a bit boring on my fantasy books i'll have to check that out um what are you most excited about in 2024 personally and professionally personally um you know last year i was uh i was lucky enough to be able to take four weeks off for vacation so i went to to travel uh backpack with a with a single person tent uh in the azores which are uh, islands of portugal so i hope that for 2024 i'll be able to maybe not take four weeks off in a row but you know, I'm looking to plan my next uh, trip, uh, probably backpack. Uh, we'll see if where I land, uh, what I, I'll do. But, you know, I'm a big uh, hiker. So I always try to find an interesting place where I can hike and see landscape. 
Um, Professionally, I think 2024 is going to be interesting. Uh, the pipeline is already uh, uh, packed. Um, there's interesting things to see. Uh, you know, there's still uh, challenges to address. You know, 2023 uh, was a challenging year for all startups, I think, you know, in terms of right-sizing uh, their team, uh, choosing, you know, really what they, they wanted to do and, you know, optimize, optimizing the, the capital that they have uh, in the bank. So 2024, I think, will be a, a bit better, but still uh, companies need to be cautious in the way to address the market and be, you know, uh, smart in how they, they, they go towards uh, 2024. But I think there's going to be great things that come, will come up, and, you know, as, um, as every crisis brings a lot of opportunities, there's a couple of uh, new plays that will come uh, and that will build on stronger foundation. And that will, you know, uh, create a lot of interesting uh, opportunities for our pipeline. Last question from me before I open up the mic to you, but how do you deal with hard times? Do you have specific tactics or things that you've done throughout your your life that just kind of help you through those challenging times? There's uh, some portion of the year that is more heavy. So, you know, uh, I always try to you have a good night of sleep. Um, but as I mentioned, I was, I'm a big hiker, so... When I have the time uh, every weekend, I try to go out uh, either um, in Quebec or sometimes I go down south in uh, in uh, the New York State Adirondacks or Vermont. Just go in the nature; it's it's calm. Uh, I'm alone. I can I can run. I can walk. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just you know turning off the cell phone for for a bit, for a few hours, for a day, um, and otherwise you know. Um, just try to to uh, to you know keep a good balance between work and and personal life. Uh, but I'm not too I'm not uh, a stress easily stressed person, so I think I I, I deal easily with that. And you know, uh, as for a lot of person that have uh, fidget in at uh, at work and things like that, I do have a, a slinky. So uh, I play with my slinky uh, when I'm thinking, when I, I I'm working. So you know, it's uh, it's. Uh, small things like that. But, you know, I think uh, going outside, uh, exceeding the, the city and just going nature is, is my go-to. That was the last question for me. I'd just like to open up the mic for you to leave any message you want to leave the listeners with. You can reach IQ for anything related to VC or non-VC in terms of your founder or co-investor. You're looking for different projects. I think IQ is open for business, of course. And, and personally, if you, you want to reach out to, to have a chat, always open to, to those conversations. Both if you're located in Quebec or not, uh, always interesting for me to chat. So you, you, you can reach me out on, on LinkedIn, um, Maxime Courchine on, on LinkedIn or you know, Max. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, always looking towards what's coming next in, uh, in the market and always looking for, for your next episode. Uh, I'm a big fan. So, um, so yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, just look out for the next you know, announce for, you know, for portfolio companies, what's coming next. And uh, yeah, looking towards a, a good 2024. Max, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate all the insights on you as an investor, the ecosystem, and everything else. Thank you so much for coming on. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe, share with friends, and reach out with guest suggestions. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to our newsletter on Substack to keep up to date.